Girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Special, special guest. This is my main man, Ray Allen. Ray, just how are you? How are you feeling right now, man? But first, you know, I'm gonna let y'all do it. I'm gonna say, tell me how you, how the ovation got you, man, because that was that was surreal. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's like when you know you walk into a, an environment where you feel relaxed and at home. Um, whether it's on the beach, you jump in the pool and you feel like you're, you just, it's exactly what you need. And I think that's what that moment was like for me because I dreaded it, uh, my first game back, uh, when I came back and then, um, I would say I got booed and then not knowing how I was going to be received, uh, coming back into the building like that. Um, it was just a, it was a great moment. Um, not only for me and, and the people that have been fans of mine for my career, but just for Celtic fans, because you, you, we can't, you know, as much as we live in the past, uh, you talk about your, your glory years and the things, you know, people remember those days, the, the games, the, the heartache, uh, the, the, um, the celebrations that we had. The only, the only thing, what, what, what joins us, what, what binds us is that we stick together and we always, um, no matter where we end up going, we always remember who we are and nothing changes. We're always Celtics no matter what. It seemed like when Kevin Garnett stopped and recognized you, the whole place just held their breath and then it was just exhale and it was just such a great moment and when you went out to him and Everybody said, well, they planned that. I said, no, that was just something that Kevin said and Ray got up and it was it was so cool. Yeah, it, it reminded me when uh, when I uh, broke Reggie's record uh, there in the garden. And before the game, I was asking Reggie, you know, what what, what am I supposed to do? You know, how is this supposed to go down? There, there's no no template. Uh, you guys basically start the narrative. You know, whatever you do, you do. And because this is not something that happens every day. And I believe that was the same case with, with Kevin. Uh, Kevin is so emotional. You don't know where he's going to go with what it is that he's doing, what he's saying. And I didn't expect him to say anything to me. I don't even think he knew I was going to be there until he walked out on the floor and he saw us. Uh, and I just think that it was, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. It was organic. Um, I think for the Celtics, the, the organization, they couldn't have asked for uh, anything better because we, you can't, when, when you talk about the organization, you, you know, players come and go. At the end of the day, when you look up and you talk about games, they're all past players. And that's kind of where you hang your hat. And for kids that look up to, you know, the Celtics and in, in all over the world. And uh, when you walk into that building and see, you see banners, you talk about past games and past players. And it's, it's, it's paramount for us to, to always be able to walk into that building and just say, man, we had a great run, didn't we? And then see some of the old faces in the crowd that still come to games and just celebrate them as well as they celebrate us. And then what he said, when he said, Ray, you next boy, and it was like so cool because I've been beating these bands 
beating these drums forever talking about Ray Allen and where his number was going to be retired. Do you feel that? Do you do you want that? Well, first, firstly, Paul is, you know, he, he's been great uh, this whole time. Over the last couple of years, he's been always making sure, hey, you got to do this. You got to talk to this guy because you you could tell he he's had that sense of uh, it's water under the bridge. We got to go ahead and move forward. What do we, you know, what's the issue, you know, uh, for us? Just thinking about that moment, it only seemed right that he was in it because he had been, you know, working tirelessly behind the scenes to make sure that, you know, I, I think he's working more on, on Kevin's behalf. Uh, and, you know, I seen him a couple of years back in China and we, uh, we met in fences there. So it was a little comical when Paul ran out there. A little. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think for, for the people who, you know, it was uh, emotional for them because, you know, that's, that's like, you know, all those videos you see when the soldiers come home and, and their children see him and you're like, you know, you just think about what you see is you see, you know, people as you kind of travel through their lives with them on their missions of their ups and downs. And then you see them come together and just kind of mend their fences. It is emotional. It's an emotional situation. You know, you, you feel like, man, I need to go hug my mom or my dad or my kids. Uh, and so I think that's what that moment was. And I think for the people to see that. You know, it did. It, it was another moment, I think, in uh, in Celtic history to say, hey, I remember that moment when. And that's what makes, I think, this fan base so incredible, because you're talking about generation after generation of fans that grew up, you know, in the, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s and seen basketball at its best and seen uh, great players, you know. And so even the ups and downs, you know, through the downs, I should say. And then a moment like that, when you're talking about these great players, these people that are still in the building watched us play. So when you're seeing your jerseys retired, these people are actually sharing stories of what it was like watching those games and, uh, you know, big games, big games that player had or the team had. And so it's a, it's a real connection, I think, that the people in Boston have uh, with the Celtics. I saw which actually made me just as happy. You said, well, the players have to connect with the players of the past and, and present. And I love when I saw players come up to you and dap you up. I saw Tatum come up to you. I saw Brown come up to you. And it was such a surreal moment when you said you have to be able to link those things together. Yeah. And I've always had uh, an intense amount of respect for you uh, as, as much as great as you were while you were playing in, in the game of basketball, you've transcended basketball and now you're in this phase of your life where you've been able to bring the game to, to people so far away that aren't connected or aren't in the arena. And you, you've had your magnificent feats while you played. And for us to come along and think, you know, oh, that's just Max. He, he, you know, he's an old, old school dude. Like, I think a lot of players tend to look at older players that way. Like, oh, I would have beat him back in my day or he's just some old dude washed up. And I, I think that we, we don't pay homage enough because when I was at All-Star Weekend for, for the 75th anniversary team, the one thing that you, that you have to take 
notice of is every one of these guys that were in this room were absolute monsters on the floor and they did it in their prime. And some of them came in in wheelchairs, some of them had bad knees, but everything they ever did, they gave to the game of basketball and it helped to grow the game of basketball. And the people who are playing now are only playing because of, you know, those gentlemen, like because of all those men, I'm playing basketball. And so it just taught me even more, you know, being now a retired player and understanding that your contributions, Max, get us to our era. And then, you know, Tatum's era and Brown's era, like they're, they're ushering in a new era. But one thing that we know, um, Father Time is undefeated. And <laughs> yeah, and gravity will sink in and, you know, those grades will start to grow. And, you know, those guys that are playing now will be on our team, the, the retired players team. And all we could do is just say, man, I had a great run and I left the game I, I, I grabbed the game in a great place and I left it in a great place. And now people love you and support you because of it. Ray, Ray, top 75 players ever to play the game. That, that to me is just unbelievable. I, and I, I think about it. It's so cool for me to know you as a friend. But when I look at a Bob McAdoo, when I look at Kareem, when I look at Magic, and then to say, to throw you in the middle of that, man, that just... Is it does it even seem real when you walked in there, introduced Michael Jordan? Here's somebody that's not yeah. Ray. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, walking into that room and seeing so many greats, people that that um they they put the game into onto a platform. It was like they packaged it up for me to see it and appreciate it. And you know, you, you to play this game and be at the top of it, you have to have a level of creativity that sometimes other people can't understand. Uh, being able to do things, you know, there's a there's a systematic approach to the game, running plays and setting the passing the ball. But you know, in those seventy-five great, there was another level that those guys went to, and I I experienced it firsthand uh, as a kid growing up, and then some of my you know playing against, and I never see. As a, as a player, I never thought for myself that, you know, I was this player that was revered on such a level because I was always constantly, you know, struggling. I was obsessing over, you know, getting my shots, my free throws, working on my conditioning. And it was like I couldn't just stop. I couldn't when you stop to think about if you're good or not, that's when you think that you don't have to work as much. And so I never really compared myself to anybody because I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And, and, and that 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 uh, lack I won't say it's conf a lack of confidence, but it was it's just that that ability to put the pressure on yourself to just continue to not get comfortable and and, and never uh, sell for mediocrity. Did you have a favorite in that room? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Did you have a favorite that you walked in '75 and going, oh, that dude? Um. I, I can't say that I had a favorite because all of them, when I looked at them, you were almost you know what? Ray, you're so damn politically correct. It's unbelievable. It had but, to be like when I walked in, I saw Kareem. I was like, oh, I was, was blown away. But I, that's what I was going to tell you. Everybody had something because I remember the first NBA game I seen was against Kareem, was watching Kareem play against the Pistons back in 1988 when I was living in California, uh, 1985. And 
I remember watching him shoot skyhooks and he didn't miss and Lambeer was on the other side and he was shooting and he didn't miss. So that was my first like indoctrination into the NBA. And then I remember living in California and wanting to be like the Lakers and Michael Cooper and all those guys. So then I seen Dr. J and I was sitting there having a conversation with Worthy. And then uh, Pat Ewan walked in the building. I remember one of my teammates in, uh, in, uh, in high school, he wore Ewings on his feet and he was from New York. I was living in South Carolina. And that's what, that was his man, Patrick Ewan. So each, each person that walked in, it was almost like, that song that took you back to where you were in your childhood. But I'm looking at these guys thinking, man, that was, I remember the shoes, the Ewing's on, you know, I remember the, 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 the Jordan fours. I remember, you know, when I seen uh, Dr. J, I remember his poster on the wall, the Converse poster, like all those things were flooding into my mind. Ray, let me ask you this. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting dunked on in that poster, was I? With Dr. No, you, J. No, you weren't. But I know that you feared that poster when you saw it. You're like, them dudes right there, they were causing havoc. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. I, um, I, I saw uh, last night happening, and I'll put a word association with you. Last night I'm watching, he got game, came on. And I'm watching you, I'm like, damn, your relationship with Denzel, how is that? It's been great. Uh, you know, being my on-screen father over the course of my career, I'd see him in LA, he'd be in New York somewhere. And it was always like, you know, he called me son. It was always like a, um, mutual respect. Uh, he was, he made it so simple and easy for me, uh, on, on set because what he gave me, it was able, it was like playing with a great point guard. Uh, he just, he did his work. He did his job. We'd be in the middle of a take and then Spike would say cut. And we would start talking about basketball. Like we oh. start talking about basketball and he would come up and do a move or something. He's like, yeah. And, and then my acting coach would be so upset because I'm supposed to, in the scene, supposed to hate him. Like I'm supposed to, she was like, don't talk to him. Like, leave him alone. Like you're supposed to stay. And she didn't know she wasn't in the sports world. So she doesn't know when you, when, when the ball goes up in the air, you turn into a, a, a animal. Like, so that's, that's like when, when, uh, when Spike yells action, you, you're, that's your cue and you go right into it. And so that was something that it was fascinating because he can just at the flip of a dime, he could just switch right into mode, right into character. And he knew what he needed to say and what he needed to do. And I learned that, like I was paying attention, you know, that's something that, you know, when you're, cause you learn in basketball, how to pay attention, you know, pick up little characteristics from other players, listen to coaches, take what you need and what you don't need. And I did that and acting in it. And it really, 
I didn't know what I was going to be able to do as far as being an actor, but I said, I'm coachable. I'll listen and then I'll try to give them what they need. But one thing I know, he ain't got game though. He ain't got game. Great. Come on. This L ain't got no game, has he? Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, like I said, he's a great actor. He acted like he had game, you know, because uh, it, it was, it had to be about three in the morning. Uh, and when the scene we were supposed to, it was supposed to be 11-0, and I was supposed to just shut him out. Uh, Spike, you know, Denzel got the ball, and he turned into this All-American. And, you know, I'm standing in front of him wondering what's going to happen, and I'm, like, guarding him. And he tried to go to the, the basket. I was going to block it, like, going to be aggressive with him. But he shot the ball, you know, before I could even do anything, and the ball kind of floated in the air. And it, I swear to God, Max, the ball looked like it was going into the ocean. And then the ball hit the backboard and went in. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not on the script. And I was thinking Spike would say cut because that's not on the script. But he just kind of went with it because it was organic. And he started talking trash. And then he shot another one. And then he kind of, it just kind of snowballed. And then finally, I just kind of, you know, I took over and I started playing. He got tired, uh, which was expected. But once we cut from my scene and my acting coach came over to me and she said, what are you doing? He's supposed to blah, 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 not do this. And I was like, Susan, my Susan at Batson was, is, you know, one of the greatest acting coaches in Hollywood. And she didn't understand it because she thought I did something wrong. And I was like, that's the, you got to understand basketball. Like sometimes you can't control what, what happens. It's so unpredictable. And it, it worked out perfectly and Spike just ran with it because he got actually what he wanted because it was a dad who could hoop that was basically, he was kind of in over his head and he was giving, you know, me the reins. He was letting go of control and said, now, you know, the ball is in your court. And I was taking it from him. The state of the game now, in your opinion, is what? The NBA, Ray Allen says the NBA is what right now? I think the, the state of the NBA is, um, I think it's going through the moon, uh, going through the roof to the moon, I should say. Um, the game is only growing internationally. When you think about uh, markets uh, in India, uh, the Asian market has always been uh, so big. And you, you're talking about, basketball is being introduced all over the world. And the reason that is, is because we have so many international players now that are playing and they're bringing that brand of basketball back to their countries. You see the national teams during the Olympics or, you know, they're having, there's more of a footing and, you know, I don't care that basketball is dominant in America. I just care that our players get better. Uh, I think that when you look at the draft, you see so many international players because they are, we've done a great job of, uh, our grassroots programs in Europe and Asia, Southeast Asia, um, South and Central America. But now we got to make sure that we are uh, performing these same programs because the AAU programs, we're, our kids are playing games, but we're not teaching basketball as much as we should. And so we just have to always remember, uh, our current players have to always remember who and how they're being watched on a daily basis. So language around the court, uh, interaction with fans, that right there is probably some of the uh, 
the most important interactions that we have uh, that other sports don't have. And we got to make sure that those are always seen in such a positive light because the players, you know, you playing basketball and yeah, there's some unruly fans, but we always got to take the high road. I, um, Hearing this building, it's so much about this building. And I made sure I was doing this today here. And I'm not going to let you off the hook without saying, because I'm looking up at this, these these banners up here. And Ray Allen, will you accept having your number put up there? Would you like <laughs> to have your number as one of those banners? Man, I I, I'm, I got to go with that. I Listen, winning in Boston is is everything. Just that I remember uh, the parade, uh, just all the people that came out, just knew that winning there was so special because you 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 take the minds of the young and the old and everybody follows and they believe, especially having not not having won in so long. And that place is always, you know, held a special place in my heart. So, you know, to have my number retired in, in that building. Uh, is is an amazing feat, you know, special accomplishment. You know, I've always revered the players that came before me and me before I even played uh, for the Celtics. You just think about all the greats that played in Boston. And, you know, for a lot of people, it can be scary because you're thinking, how could you ever live up uh, to those standards of those players that came before you? And really, um, yeah, I've always laughed because I see when guys come to Boston, and I have a special pride because even, you know, for the Patriots, the Red Sox and the Bruins, you just know who's built for that market and who isn't. And, you know, you come here and all the people ask you to do is just kind of come here and play hard every single night and do not make excuses. You know, if you made a mistake, just own up to it. We'll ride with you. You know, if it didn't go your way, just stand up and do the interviews. And we're going to ride with you. When you win, we're going to ride with you. And we lose, we're going to ride with you. And the one special moment that I have is when we lose game six um, in that building uh, in 2012, um, every, nobody left and everybody stayed up, stood up, and they cheered us on. They still chanted, let's go Boston, because they, they knew that we still had a shot uh, to win in game seven. And regardless of whether we did or not, that was the belief that we had in that building. So when you come into that building, you know, those jerseys are part of Celtic lore, Celtic tradition, Celtic nation. And to be able to say that my name, my number that I wore would be up there at some, some point in my life is one of the greatest honors in this, in this game that I could ever receive. Ray, you know, I, I, I want to thank you again. You know, I've always said this, and you and I looked at each other and I said, there's nobody I connect with more than you because it wasn't a big two. It was a big three with you. It wasn't a big three when I was around. It was a big four. But sometimes you get caught up in the shuffle, but you still, and, and a lot of people still understand your place and your history to the game. So I, I just want to commend you. Thank you. And, and I can't wait until I'm here with you when they're pulling your jersey up to the rafters, my friend. Well, I appreciate it, Max. You've always been a big brother to me and you've always been an advocate uh, for me. And I've always appreciated that. And no matter whether we were up or down, you were always right there. You understood the game. And, and for me, you always felt the landing uh, spot, a safe place where I knew I had from you 
no judging eyes, just, hey, get back on the horse. Let's do it again. And, and, and for that, I thank you. So I appreciate you being on my, on my journey with me and making sure that, you know, my name, you know, my career, everything that I did here uh, was not forgotten. We'll do it like this. Your message to Tatum and Brown, and you're looking at this team, the way they've turned things around, how do you feel they're going? And, and which, what's your advice to them? Uh, well, it's interesting because when when we had the ceremony there and uh, Kevin was on the screen going crazy. And the first thing I thought was, I wonder what the the, the current guys uh, think about that, uh, that passion that he had. Because uh, right now, I don't know if we have anybody in the league like that. And so I hope that they they drew from that to understand, like, you you almost have to turn into a maniac when you're playing you know, on a daily basis, because you got to psych yourself up. You got to scare the opponents and you got to get your home team into the, into the game. And that's the thing. Both Brown and Tatum are so young. They, they, they got a lot of basketball in them. They could do so much good here uh, that they just have to keep pushing, plugging away. And they got to make sure that they bring everybody along with them and understand that you're always going to regret the days that you don't do it. If you don't do it. And we sat in the back during the game and we talked about the plane rides. We talked about the music, the food, like all the stuff that we did. And at the end of the day, that's all you're gonna have. And so let's do it now. Let's leave everything we can now. Like put your families where they need to make sure that they can have a great vantage point, but make sure that you guys as brothers always fight for each other, with each other. Uh, I think, they've turned it around significantly from the beginning of the year till, till where they are now. And they look like they have uh, a pretty good rhythm, a rapport with each other. And the thing is, is, you know, towards the end of the season, it always, it always gets tougher. And it's not about who's doing it. It's just next man up, like next man. Like if, if it's smart one, one game, then, then that's who it has to be. And there's no egos. That's how we played. Like it didn't matter who led the team to scoring. It was just, you know, let's make it happen. Let's win the game. Like, you know, Paul threw the ball to me numerous times at the end of the game for, for a game winner, and he trusted in me as well as we did him. And as they start to gain and grow that trust even more, uh, that's going to determine how far they go into the playoffs. You take it easy, All right, man. All right Max. All right, later.